Well, we're, we're calling this year Full Access because as believers, we have full access. I don't know if you know that, but we have access to all of God, not just little bits of God, but all of God. And uh, so often we can feel like we're being locked out to different things. In fact, many people have been locked out of cars and locked out of houses. But one thing you and I haven't been locked out of is the kingdom of God. Jesus has made it possible for us to have access to all of the kingdom. And today we're going to look at a passage in Matthew chapter 16. It's a passage where Jesus asked a question to the disciples. He said, who do people say that I am? To which a whole lot replied, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're all these other people. But he looked them in the eye and he says, but who do you say? Who do you say that I am? To which some Peter piped up and he said, you are, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, well, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. Uh, it's come by revelation. A uh, question we're going to ask ourselves right at the beginning of the year is, who do you say Jesus is? Who's Jesus to you? Because I pray we get a fresh revelation of Jesus in our life. Because when we get a clear understanding of who God is, it's then and there we get a clear understanding of who we are. And then from there we get a clear understanding of to the, into the mission of what God's called us to. And it goes on. And it, yeah, it says, Peter, on this rock, on this rock of revelation, Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell are not going to be a stop it be able to stop it. Here's the deal with gates. Gates are normally defensive. As a church, we're not called to live defensive. We're not called to live on the back foot, just stopping things coming in. The church that Jesus died for is a church with a mission and purpose. And, and I believe this year we'd live on the offense. We're, we're to, to play an offensive, not to be offensive, but to play offense where we, where, where we go and go after the things that God's given each and every one of us, knowing that God's not a holdout, that God's given us promises so that you and I can possess those promises. And, and so Jesus says, on this rock, I'm going to build my church in the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But the next verse, and I like how the message version puts it in verse 19, and it says, and that's not all. But wait, there's more. It says, you'll have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven and a no on earth is a no in heaven. I think that's got to be encouraging. That Jesus has paved the way so that there'd be no barriers between us and heaven. We can have access to all of heaven. I wonder in the past whether we've lived like we've had access to all of heaven. Because my encouragement in 2021 is that you and I live and we see things from that position, from the position that we have access to all of heaven. Well, I love a story found in the Old Testament in the book of Esther. It's a story of Esther. And I just quickly want to read out a passage from that story uh, because Esther was somebody who understood that she had heaven's backing. And so Esther chapter 4, verse 11, it says, And all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces knew, they knew that any man or woman who goes into the inner court of the king who has not been called, he has but one law. 
So this is the law. The law is to put all to death. So if you go in uninvited, you're dead. But it goes on, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter that he might live. So if you go in uninvited, you've got to make sure that that king holds out that golden scepter. And it goes on and it says, Yet I myself, Esther saying this, have not been called to go into the king these 30 days. So they told Mordecai Esther's words. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther. Do not think in your heart that you are escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet, who knows? Yet, who knows whether you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this. What this story is, it's a story of divine favor. In fact, a whole nation's destiny hung on the king holding out a golden scepter to Esther. Holding out a golden scepter to a person who wasn't invited and who had no right in the natural to be there. That scepter didn't just save Esther's life, but opened the door for a reversal of the enemy's plan against the people of God. There was an attack against the people of God. And Esther stood in the gap and she was able to save a whole nation. What the story tells us is that one person can make a difference. I want to suggest to you today that you can make a difference in the lives of the people around you because you carry divine favor. See, that one person who stood in the gap ended up saving a nation. And hear the story. The context of the story was Esther was an orphan. She was an orphan living in a strange country and she was placed into a family where she was surrounded by good people, one of them being Mordecai. And, and one thing you and I can know is without God, we're orphans. But we've been adopted into the family of God. We've been adopted into a place of freedom, a place where there's no fear and condemnation. In fact, for those who have received Christ, the Spirit of God within us gives us wit, gives witness to the fact that we're children of God. John 1 verse 12 is a powerful verse. It says, you know, for whoever receives Jesus, he's, be given, he's given to them the right to be called children of God. Now, here's the deal, and this is good news. If you're a child of God, you're a joint heir with Christ. You're co-heirs with Christ. So everything that pertains to the inheritance that Jesus has is yours. Your joint is, your, your, your co-heirs, that, that's good news. Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm glad for my natural family, but I'm glad I've been adopted into the spiritual family. Right now you may be sitting around some other Christians. They're your brothers and sisters. They may not look like you, but, but you're children of God. We are the children of God. And, and here Esther gets adopted into this family. But, but like Esther, sometimes we can feel like we're living in a foreign land. That this is in our home. See, Esther was a Jew living in Persia. And, and she didn't quite fit but what happened in this foreign place 
And this can give hope to each and every one of us as she found favor in her place of captivity. You and I have been formed and, and designed for heaven. We're on earth here and, and there's this wrestle, there's this unease that, that goes on in us that we're, we're strangers here. We're living in this foreign land. We're not quite home. But when we come to Jesus, He makes His home in our heart. But even in this world, even though we're not at home, we can find favor. And, and Esther was the most unlikely candidate to be queen of Persia. But here's the deal. When God's hand is on your life, the most unlikely of situations occur. See, what did God do? God elevated her. He promoted her to the position of queen. She was a Jew in Persia, and she became the queen. But God didn't stop there. Because every position of favor God gives us in life has a greater purpose behind it. Many people don't realize that. In fact, I challenge to say, a lot of you are in positions of favor. The fact, if you're living in New Zealand listening to this, you're favored. There's a position God has given you. You know, if you've got a job, you're favored. If you've got a family, you live in a home, you're favored. The positions God's given us. He's given us gifts that are open the door and, and we're favored. We're blessed of God. Come on, is there any blessed people out there? But, but any position God gives us, is so that we could access divine purpose. See, the question is, now you've got the position. Hey, Esther, now you're queen. What are you going to do in that position? Hey, just because you made the All Blacks doesn't mean you're going to be a great All Black. Just because you got the job doesn't mean you're actually going to push the company forward into its, into its mission and purpose. See, I find today many people stop at position and they never enter into call. And I want to say to you, you know, if we're to fulfill everything that God's called us to, we've got to understand that purpose in life is so much more fulfilling than position. This world is striving to get position. You know, position, career position, social status, accolades, political positions. Everybody's so after positions that they forget about purpose. And, but there's something within each and every one of us that has this desire for significance. And I want to say, your significance doesn't come from your position. Your significance comes from your purpose. Many people buy into the ideology, you know, if I do something important, it will make me important. They don't realize you can have all the titles and in the world and all the affirmation from the world. But if you don't know who you are and whose you are, that title won't give you direction. It won't give you fulfillment and it won't give you purpose. Our purpose is found in God. In fact, Colossians, Paul said this well, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, in the message it says, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Here's the thing. There's nothing worse being in a position for which you're not called to. See, if you're in a position without understanding purpose, you won't discover God's grace, God's favor. If you're in a position without purpose, you, you're going to expend a whole lot of unnecessary energy. You know, many people like, like the idea, many people scribe, subscribe to the idea of making a difference, but, but they don't want, go, want what goes with that. 
because it does take work. But I'm praying that this year that each and every one of us would find a grace in what we're doing. That, that it wouldn't be hard. Yes, we'll work, but, but we'll get results. In fact, Ecclesiastes 10.10 10 says this, if the ax is dull and one does not sharpen its edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. My prayer for you in 2021 is that you would use the wisdom of God because His wisdom brings success. How many know there's no shortage of information in today's society? You know, studying in yesteryear, was a lot harder than what it is today. If we wanted to find some information, we had to go to the library. We had to look up the Jewish system or, or get out a microfiche and, you know, to get the information we required. Today, people just put it in Google and it pops up. Today, you know, a lot of people got information. They got not knowledge. In fact, many people have got more degrees than a thermometer. I've met a lot of smart people and smart people, but just because somebody's smart does not mean they're wise. And Solomon in Ecclesiastes says, wisdom brings success. So you can know how to load a gun. You can know the techniques of how to shoot. But wisdom will tell you when to pull the trigger. You get that wrong? That can cause a mess. See, wisdom will always bring you back to purpose. Maybe you're starting the year and you haven't got clarity. Yeah, I want to say, get clarity of purpose before you get anything else. What are you called to? See, have you ever tried to use something outside of its intended purpose? That's where you do a whole lot of damage. You know, we use other things to hammer things down. But, but hammers are designed to hammer. That's their purpose. Hammers hammer. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. If we lose our identity in God, what we lose is we lose our purpose. A distorted identity will bring about a distorted purpose. See, many people have taken things, you know, the wooden spoon, for example. Wooden spoon, many people got the wooden spoon growing up. How many got the wooden spoon growing up? Yeah, and it, and it was painful, but wooden spoons were designed so that they wouldn't transfer heat. They wouldn't take the heat of the pan. They wouldn't, wouldn't be transferred into your hand. But I know a lot of hands have felt heat as a result of the wooden spoon. It's simply because they've been used outside of what they've been intended for. And, 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 and it's for us to understand our identity. And once we know who we are in God, then as then and there we'll know what to do. But for that to happen, that takes time and friction to sharpen something. And if the axe is dull, you're going to require more strength. I want to say, come on, right at the beginning, let's sharpen our focus. Let's sharpen the, the direction of our life. And I like Esther because Mordecai had to challenge her. Yeah, you're not here by chance. Maybe God's put you here for this time. I, I want to say, you're not where you are by chance. God's got a purpose for the position you're currently in. And if we're to experience full access, God's divine favor, number one, first thought is we need to embrace a season of preparation. See, Esther embraced a season of preparation before promotion ever came about. At this time, she had to submit herself to the king's custodians, which is a, is a type of the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible tells us in Esther, uh, Esther for six months, she bathed herself in myrrh. And that's a bitter substance, which would cause a detox to happen. 
So for six months should bathe in myrrh. For six months after that should bathe in sweet odors. Uh, one thing I found is God will test us in this time of preparation with the sour, with the bitter and the sweet. He'll test you and I with failure and success. And how we handle both determines whether we're ready or not for, God, what, for what God wants to do. See, see, a person's true identity is often exposed in the light of failure and success. That's what Jesus said in John 10. He says, it's only when the wolf comes, the true shepherd appears. The true shepherd is revealed. Hirelings, they run off. But when the wolf comes, the true shepherd, the identity of the true shepherd is revealed. And, and, and in the light of pressure and failure, our, our identity is revealed, but also success. Because what success does is it gives us options. It, it gives us the opportunity to express what's on the inside of us. And the challenge as believers is to live from identity, not for identity. And Esther went through the season of preparation and it happened in the inner sanctuary in the king's courts. It happened out of public view. And, and each and every person who's used of God will go through the season of preparation where it's out of the view of other people. And it's then and there you discover who you really are. It's when no one's looking. So you can be happy in public, but you can be depressed in private. You gotta know who you are. And, and full access, the key to knowing who you are, uh, getting full access is knowing who you are. See, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. But when you don't know who you are, you won't know what to do. Second thought, if we're to experience divine favor that comes as a result of full access, is we need to align our lives to identity and purpose. See, Mordecai had to remind Esther of some things that in the end gave her favor. The favor was yeah, the king holding out the golden scepter. He said, hey, Esther, remember this, you're a Jew before you're a queen. And if the Jews perish, you perish. Don't think you're safe up there in that palace. You're not safe. That's not going to protect you. Your identity is you're a Jew. And, uh, another way, you're a child of God. See, many people today can be Christians, but they still can be searching for identity and meaning in the crowd. In fact, many people embrace a mob mentality. It's whatever the mob's thinking, that's my thinking. And we align our thinking to the mob. I found the crowd can be fickle. When Jesus was on trial, you know, at one moment they were saying, yeah, he's the Messiah, he's going to save us. Next moment they were saying, crucify him. He went from being the Messiah to somebody who was no better than a thief or a robber. The crowd is opinionated. The crowd is judgmental. Uh, but when it comes to your life, you've got to make sure you let God be the ref of your life. You know, the crowd looks at a game and, and they'll have many opinions on what's going on in that game. But, uh, but let God determine the direction of your life. See, the crowd's indifferent. And what was happening in the situation in the book of Esther was, was a whole nation was about to be annihilated if she didn't step into purpose in this moment. And I found unless we step into purpose, there's a whole lot of people 
who are going to be affected by it. See, because until you're real with God, you can't be real with yourself. And here's the deal. Unless you're real with yourself, you can't be real with others. You'll put up a mask. And, and while you're living with a mask, you can't be of benefit to anybody else. And that's why we're going to be real with God. Because when we're real with God, we can be real with ourselves, which means we can be real and we can be a blessing to other people. See, many people say, oh, I just need to find myself. Here's the thing. You can never find yourself outside of God. It's only through knowing God you discover who you really are. Which brings me to the third thought is divine favor releases confidence. I like Esther's mentality going in. She goes, I know the consequences, but if I perish, I perish. That's confidence. In other words, I'm not going to let anything else have rule over me. She looked death in the face and said, I'm not scared of you. That's confidence. God, I believe, in 2021 wants us to live with confidence. I love the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 has got to be a favorite. I'm just going to read a few verses. Hebrews 10 verse 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence, yes, confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is, that is His body, and since we have a great Priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Now, I want you to see the contrast between Esther and what's been spoken about in Hebrews chapter 10. She was uninvited. And if she was uninvited and the king didn't hold out her scepter, she was dead. But here, Jesus invites us. And we can come confidently into His presence. goes on, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another up to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some in the habit of doing. By the way, if church is not a regular habit, to you, why not this year in 2021 say, I'm going to make it a regular habit. It's one of the best habits you can establish in your life. You watch what God would do if you just make, you know, picking up your Bible in the morning, a regular, a regular habit and, and coming to church. And he says, but encouraging one another as you, and more, all the more as you see the day approaches. Well, what's happening here? Well, the writer's helping us to see where our confidence comes from. And, and what you've got to understand is godly confidence comes from a clear conscience. But it's kind of hard to have full confidence when you have a troubled conscience. You know, it's hard to get up and preach confidently when you've got unaddressed issues in your life. That's why you've got, always got to do a check on your own heart. You know, it's not that we don't have issues, we all have issues. But the good news is we have a God who can work on those issues. It's, it's, see, there's nothing wrong with issues if they remain, un, uh, uh, it's only when they remain unaddressed. And when you don't address issues, what happens is you get this nagging feeling on the inside. This nagging feel. And some of us have lost our confidence because we've violated our conscience. So now in relationships, you can't really look people in the eye because you're hiding something. Because of the text messages you sent yesterday. 
hoping others won't see, or it's because of the unresolved bitterness in your heart. You know, a forgiveness that God's initiated, but you haven't completed because you haven't offered that forgiveness to somebody else. Godly confidence is not in how good we are or in what we have achieved. See, many people's confidence go up and down depending on how they perform. But that's not how the gospel works. In fact, confidence is a natural byproduct of the gospel. The whole context of the gospel is confidence. If the gospel doesn't make you more confident, it's not the gospel. See, if you hear the gospel and go away feeling like crap, you didn't hear the gospel. As a result of hearing the gospel, you should be more confident. See, the devil knows the best way to rob somebody of their confidence is to get them doubting themselves. So he'll get to our confidence through our our conscience. And and what he'll do, he'll he'll tempt you to do something that will defile your conscience. And now when you've defiled your conscience, you've lost your confidence. And guess what? To come into his presence requires what? It requires confidence. And, and, And the presence of God is the only place where your conscience can be cleansed. It's where, where you can get a fresh start. That's what we just read. But if you don't have confidence, you won't come in. Now, now you've got to get this, the, the cycle. Now, the only place where God can heal your conscience you don't go to is because you, you've lost your confidence. So you stop coming to church at a time where you actually needed to come to church most. Oh man, I stuffed up this week. I, I'm going to miss church. No, that's when you need to come the most. Because it's only in His presence your conscience can be cleaned. You almost came, but you felt guilty about something that, that you let the devil tell you. You know, it's almost like you're letting the devil tell you, well, you can't come. You're not good enough. You know, who are you to believe that God could use you? But you've got to understand Christian confidence comes from our relationship with God, it does not come from our behavior. It comes from what Jesus accomplished on the cross of Calvary. It's where where grace, that's where grace covered me. It covered my future, covered my past, my present. It it covered every area. It's covered my sin. It means I can come into His presence with my head held high. I can come like a child of a king, not a slave, not a slave to fear. And God right now is saying to people, come on in. Come on in. I know what you've been up to, but still, come on in. I know what you did in your 20s. Come on in. I I know what you did last night. I know what you did a couple of weekends back in in New Year's Eve. Come on in. The invitation is there. Come. You're not going to perish. I know your thought life. Come on in. See, Christian confidence does not come from your ability to, to conform to a set of behaviors. That's old covenant. Christian confidence comes from a high priest. His name is Jesus. And he's the source of my confidence. You got to get this. Esther was approaching a proud and perilous man. But we're approaching a wonderful, love, loving, merciful God. She wasn't called, but God invites us. And so divine favor, divine favor has confidence. It releases confidence into our life. We have full access. And last thought is, number four, is defined favor takes hold of the moment. Wherever you are, 
Maybe you've got musicians if they want to come up. But listen to this famous quote from this passage is, maybe you just come into the kingdom for such a time as this. You've been born for this. But you and I can miss moments. 2021 will come and go. My challenge to you is don't miss your moment. You come too far to choke now. You're created, child of God. You've been adopted into this family. You've been made in the image of Christ, recreated in Him. God's given you gifts on your life, just like He gave Esther. She had a gift on her life. What was her gift? Her gift was she was beautiful. Some of us have that gift. Others don't. But that gift then positioned her, just like the gifts on your life have positioned you. Some of you are great at administration. Some of you are good engineers. Some of you are good at working through details. Others see vision. And many different gifts that have positioned us, often in careers, that put us on platforms. Challenge is, what are you going to do once you've got that position? Are you going to use it to serve self, or are you going to find kingdom purpose? See, many people, as I said, stop at position and never enter core. I want to say, don't invest 10 years of your life into nothingness. You know, so many people just go through their life year on year, and they come to the end and go, man, what was that all for? Now, 15 years I bought into an illusion. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do what I'm not called to do. I don't want my purpose distorted or perverted or manipulated or massaged into a position that's not me. And all that God expects us to be is the best version of ourselves. And here's the deal. I can't be my best version without Him. Now, a lot of us got phones. We're probably holding them in their hands. Some of us are searching uh, social media right now. Hey, just come back right. Here's the thing with our phone is none of us really use them to their full capacity. They've got more capacity than we realize. When it comes to our life, I wonder whether we're using what God's given us to its full capacity. We have full access. What are we doing with that? Because the enemy wants us to believe something less. Yeah, how will I know whether I've accomplished my purpose unless I go to God? And I want to challenge some people to ask the question, yeah, right at the beginning of the year, why am I here? What am I on the planet to do? Because in the end, purpose brings significance, not stuff. A lot of us are chasing stuff. You can have stuff, but, but still be left with the question, did I do the thing I was called to do? Sometimes it may be small, but, but small is not insignificant. Small things are often what becomes a tipping point to turn the well upside down. You know, this small thing of going in to the king and the king putting out a scepter ended up in a whole nation being saved. Five loaves and two fish, small boy, uh, his lunch ended up feeding a multitude. The widow with two mites, you know, her sacrifice was noted. The maid who made Naaman's bed. She was the key to Naaman being healed of leprosy. The Barnabases of this world. There'd be no Paul if there wasn't a Barnabas. Barnabas was the one who encouraged Paul. And Barnabas' mission was just as important as Paul. 
See, there's nothing worse to live and die and miss your moment. I believe God's got a moment for each and every one of us. And the great revivalist said this. He said, I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. And that which I do, by the grace of God, I will do it. And with that commitment, God used D.L. Moody to bring revival to England and America. Come on, I wonder what's on the other side of your obedience. What's on the other side if you just live from a place where you understand you have keys, keys to unlock destinies, keys to unlock dreams. You have everything you need to fulfill God's purpose and God's assignment for your life. I want to pray for you right now. You know, when it comes to this year, there's many voices that you can listen to, but there's only one worth listening to, and that's God. I believe God wants to bring clarity to people's hearts. Where there's been confusion, I believe clarity is going to come. And when it comes to destiny and purpose, you're going to find it knowing that you've been born for such a time as this. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you come and speak into every heart, every life who's listening to this right now. Lord, that they'll realize they're not here by chance, but you have an assignment and a purpose for them to fulfill. Lord, they're created in your image and they have access to everything that they need. And we pray, Lord, that this year there'll be moment upon moment of divine destiny. Lord, that would stand back in amazement to what you have done. We thank you, God, you're a good God who wants to do good things in each and every one of our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you're blessed by this message. God bless.